You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're a 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. Yes, it's another edition of the 415ers, part of the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network in partnership with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy with you. We'll hear from Evan Giddings coming up in just a little bit. It is Friday, December 23rd. First of all, happy holidays. Hope you are enjoying some time with the family and gathering around the television to watch some 49er football this weekend. It is Niners against the Commanders on Saturday, Christmas Eve, December 24th, 105 kickoff from Levi's Stadium. The 7-6-1 Washington Commanders against the 10-4 and San Francisco 49ers. And there's a relatively decent chance that this could be a uh, postseason preview potentially the 49ers still could very easily be the two seed they are guaranteed at the worst the three seed meanwhile Washington as it stands right now after losing to the New York Giants last week they are the seven seed in the NFC so if the season ended right now which I know is uh, a phrase that not everyone is a big fan of but if the season ended right now the Niners would not play the commanders in the first round of the postseason, they would play the Giants. But it is a very real possibility that the Niners could see the Commanders return to Levi's Stadium in uh, about a month or so from now. Uh, And this game uh, coming up on Saturday, which we'll dive into a whole lot uh, before this episode is over, could go a long way in determining if the Commanders make a return trip to Levi's. As it stands right now, Very likely one of the following four teams, the aforementioned New York Giants and the Washington Commanders, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Detroit Lions. The Green Bay Packers still technically alive, but a very, very long shot at this point. But the Niners' first-round opponent will be either the Giants, the Commanders, uh, the uh, Seahawks, as I mentioned, or the Detroit Lions. We'll get to all of that coming up a little bit later on this episode. Again, you're listening to the 415ers. Uh, You can find us everywhere you get your podcast. Listen on the Odyssey app, subscribe, give us a rate, uh, download, all of that. We appreciate uh, any reviews and and positive words you can give us here on the 415ers. But before we dive into this game coming up on Saturday, we got to talk about some of the news from earlier this week. If you listen to the last episode of the 415ers, Evan and I were kind of previewing the potential pro bowlers that the 49ers might have this year. And I even asked the question, over under eight and a half pro bowlers. And Evan and I both kind of hesitantly took the over. I thought there would be nine. 
the 49ers officially six pro bowlers. So hopefully you didn't tail our thinking from last episode. If you did apologies, but six pro bowlers for the 49ers. And that does have a chance to, to jump up quite a bit, but as it stands right now, following the league's voting process, the following six 49ers are guaranteed pro bowl bids. Now, again, the Niners hope they don't actually play in the Pro Bowl because that means the team is on their way to the Super Bowl. But as it stands now, six 49ers onto the Pro Bowl. Safety Talanoa Hufanga, linebacker Fred Warner, defensive end Nick Bosa, tight end George Kittle, fullback Kyle Juszczyk, and tackle Trent Williams. So those six are all Pro Bowlers here in 2022 for the San Francisco 49ers. None of those names really all that surprising. Talanoa Hufanga probably was the least likely of that group of six because Fred Warner, I mean, you can make a case. Warner, Bosa, Kittle, Juszczyk, and Williams are all the best player in their position across the league. If not the best, definitely, you know, in the top three. You could you could make that argument. Hufanga certainly deserves to be in that conversation as well, but he's not quite as well known across the league as those other guys. This has kind of been his breakout year, so... Certainly, congratulations to Talanoa Hufanga on his first Pro Bowl nod and all of those other five for getting in once again. However, a couple of pretty large snubs for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, again, those six, those six Pro Bowlers confirmed for the 49ers. Talanoa Hufanga, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, and Trent Williams. Again, all of those guys deserving. However... What are the first two names that come to mind when you hear that group of six and wonder, how did you leave this guy off? Those two guys for me are Christian McCaffrey and Dre Greenlaw. You look at what Christian McCaffrey has done. Uh, it's honestly incredible. I mean, he has the most re- second most receptions by a running back uh, in the NFL this year behind only Austin Eckler, who's just making a, a career out of uh, catching dump offs. And he's also a pretty good runner as well, but McCaffrey second there, we look at some of the other things he's done. And, and this is from uh, the prospector, a piece that the 49ers put out every week ahead of their game last week, McCaffrey registered 26 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown to go along with six catches for 30 yards against Seattle, marking the second time this year that he's registered back-to-back games with 100 or more rushing yards. That's pretty impressive. Overall, he had 138 scrimmage yards in Seattle on Thursday night, pushing him up to 1,550 on the year. This is his third season since he entered the league in 2017 with more than 1,500 scrimmage yards. Uh, yards, excuse me, which is tied with Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry for the most in the NFL on that span. Uh, So you have the perhaps the the two most versatile running backs in the NFL during that span, McCaffrey and Kamara, and then perhaps the best pure running back uh, in Derrick Henry. Christian McCaffrey is tied with both those guys. With 100 or more rushing yards against Washington uh, coming up on, on Saturday, McCaffrey would register three consecutive games with 100 or more rushing yards for the second time in his career, and he'd become the first 49er to do that since Frank Gore did it back in 2011. He had it five straight games with 100 or more rushing yards. 
let's say McCaffrey only gets 73 rushing yards against uh, Washington on Saturday. McCaffrey then would register 1,000 or more rushing yards for the third time in his career, which would match the second most in the NFL since he entered the league in 2017. Again, that would be the third for McCaffrey. He's going to get that at some point. Maybe not this week necessarily, but before the end of the year, he will get 73 more rushing yards. The only guys to do it more than him, if McCaffrey is able to get that 1,000-yard uh, mark this year, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and Dalvin Cook have all done it four times. Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, and Ezekiel Elliott have all done it three times as well. So no matter how you split it, really, really good company for Christian McCaffrey. And another note here, I think we talked about this last week, uh, previewing that Seattle game with four or more receptions against Washington coming up here this week for McCaffrey. He would pass running back Roger Craig for the most receptions by a running back through his first six seasons in NFL history. That's obviously an important number specifically for what it means for McCaffrey, but also for this organization because Roger Craig, one of the all-time greats, uh, in the red and gold for the 49ers. Again, four or more receptions for McCaffrey, and he would pass running back Roger Craig for the most receptions by a running back through his, the six, his part of the first six seasons in the NFL. Long story short, Christian McCaffrey deserving of a Pro Bowl nod. He's not officially in. Again, the six that are Hufanga, Warner, Bosa, Kittle, Juszczyk, and Williams. However, the 49ers did have seven other players selected as alternates, meaning the 49ers could send a group of players in the double digits to the Pro Bowl. The alternates are guard Jake Brendel, kicker Robbie Gold, running back Christian McCaffrey, wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod, that's as a return specialist, wide receiver Debo Samuel, cornerback Mooney Ward, and punter Mitch Wisnowski. So... That's, I mean, at least Christian McCaffrey was selected as an alternate, right? You have Christian McCaffrey as an alternate on the on the Pro Bowl team, uh, which is better than certainly not being mentioned at all. However, he's deserving, like those other six, of being a Pro Bowler for the 49ers. And then the other big name that was left off, and that isn't even an alternate, as we welcome uh, Evan Giddings into the podcast as well, the other big name, Evan, that was left off of the, the Pro Bowl uh, for the 49ers is Dre Greenlaw. And uh, we'll, get, we'll get to you in a second, Evan, but I want to play this clip from Kyle Shanahan, who spoke on Thursday about this. Uh, he was asked about Pro Bowl snubs, and he agreed. Dre Greenlaw, probably uh, the biggest one of no. There's a number of guys who should have been in there who weren't, such as Greenlaw, um, without a doubt, because I didn't see him anywhere. I truly believe Christian would have been a starter, but I think he, I think he's, I'm not sure if what the list is, but I know he was, and that surprised me. Uh, but Greenlaw is the biggest one to me. I think he's had a Pro Bowl year. Um, I think he's been great. I think he's played at that level always when he's played for us, and I missed a little bit this year, not much, been able to stay healthy. He fought through some injuries early on, um, and when he's been playing healthy, I think he's played as good as anyone in this league. So at least McCaffrey and alternate, Dre Greenlaw, not nowhere to be seen after the league announced their Pro Bowl voting. Evan, welcome to another edition of the 415ers, first of all. Happy holidays, but uh, Dre Greenlaw, not a Pro Bowler. That is an upset. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the first eight minutes of this podcast, right? Uh, I was Dre Greenlaw. I didn't show. Um, <laughs> I wasn't there. Was not selected. But it, it is kind of interesting to to think about, Mark, because 
you got arguably the, the two kind of most dominant players. I guess you could make the argument Fred Warner is maybe more of a more notable linebacker, but obviously Christian McCaffrey, who leads everyone in total yardage across the entire league. And then you look at Dre Greenlaw, who's probably playing the best football of anyone um, outside of Nick Bosa on defense, and he's the person that doesn't get selected. So as we talked about on our Wednesday episode, just another indicator of something where maybe Pro Bowl isn't exactly the end-all, be-all. It's a nice measuring stick. It's a nice barometer, um, but maybe doesn't tell the whole picture because there might be a situation which happened, I believe, to Navarro Bowman where he wasn't a Pro Bowler, but he was still an All-Pro. That is what could be coming Dre Greenlaw's way. Yeah, I think if you were to ask Dre Greenlaw, and I know he was on 95-7 the game uh, last week. Yeah, ahead of the game against the Seahawks, uh, Damon Inarato asked him about what it would mean to be a pro bowler. And and he said, oh, it would be a dream. Like, I never thought that something like that would be possible. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened for him. Now, maybe uh, who knows what, what the future might hold. But I think if you asked him and, and he were to honestly answer what would mean more, a Pro Bowl nod or an All-Pro nod, I would be shocked if he didn't say All-Pro uh, because that is, I mean, it, you, you take the fan voting out of it. And I, I, know, I know obviously players love to have the respect of fans. I mean, without fans, there isn't an, a National Football League. But I think it probably means a little bit more to have that uh, notoriety from your coaches and your 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 fellow players, and and that's where the the all pro voting comes from, and, and from the the media as well. So it's it's not a, a lost cause for Dre Greenlaw. He's certainly having a fantastic season. He's probably a little frustrated by this, but he he could still turn this into a a fantastic career. Yet. Now that's where it becomes a little confusing, though, right? Because you obviously have the fan voting, but then you have your coaches and your player voting, which is the, you know, the other two thirds of the, you know, Pro Bowl alternates, starters, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it does beg the question of, like, how much I guess recognition around the league does a guy like Dre Green Greenlaw get? Um, so I mean, Christian McCaffrey is is. I think a separate story that more interesting would would be Greenlaw, because I do think if you asked each and every single one of his opponents or offensive coordinators about him, they would probably tell you that that's a guy that they scheme for every single week. And yet you don't necessarily see, I guess, the complete recognition right now that that two year extension that he signed, uh, you know, during the season beginning of the year is looking like a steal for the 49ers. And obviously he's he's getting paid large sums of money. He is going to be making a lot for a foreseeable amount of time in San Francisco. Um, but right now, to have that guy in your core, along with Fred Warner, who's also making big bucks, uh, the 49ers right now at the linebacker position are set. Yeah, they really are. That's maybe the biggest bargain in the NFL right now, Dre Greenlaw's contract. He's certainly going to be up for an extension and up for a whole lot more money uh, in the coming years. Uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on that as, as the years move along. Um, I also think there's probably a case of, I'm not sure voter fatigue is the right phrase, but um, you you know, like when Giannis in the NBA won back-to-back MVPs, almost regardless, he wasn't going to win a third consecutive one because you, you just, you, you get voter fatigue. The guy's voting for MVP kind of like, all right, you, you've won twice in a row. You're having a fantastic season again, but I just can't bring myself to vote for the same guy for a third consecutive season. Nikola Jokic right now, he's won consecutive MVPs. 
you know, he's he's having a fantastic season, but maybe he does get a third. But I wouldn't bet on it because that's just the way these things kind of go. This is a different situation. But let's say the 49ers existed in the universe in which Fred Warner wasn't on their team and Dre Greenlaw was their lead linebacker. Dre Greenlaw is a pro bowler in that universe because Fred Warner isn't there. And, you know, he he they're great together, but Fred Warner takes a bit of the shine away from Dre Greenlaw. That's just how it works. And if you have two really good linebackers, one of them is guaranteed to get into the Pro Bowl, but you might not get the second because voters think, hey, yeah, we've already got one great Niner linebacker in there. Why do we need a second? Yeah, and look, if you check around the rest of the NFC, it's the Eagles with eight and, you know, an X amount of alternates, and then it's it's the 49ers. So that kind of checks out, right? Like you assume the team with the best record in the conference would have the most Pro Bowlers, which they do. And I think the team that everyone identifies as the second best team in the NFC is right behind them. So look, it, it does suck that Dre Greenlaw was not named an alternate. Um, I believe at some point, Christian McCaffrey will get the call, whether he wants to go to Las Vegas and play a seven on seven game, the weekend <laughs> before the Super Bowl is up to him. But you know, it's, it, it does sort of check out in a sense of once you look at the rest of the list and you look at the rest of the positions, it Maybe it doesn't make sense as to why a guy like Greenlaw would be an alternate, but in the entire equation, like you're talking about, of voters trying to figure out who they're going to slot in where, who they're going to give recognition to team-wide, uh, I, I guess it it is, in a way, a compliment from the voters and the league to say, hey, you guys are the second-best team or second-best roster right now in the NFC, only behind, oh, the team with one win or one yeah. loss. Yeah, I agree with you. Good point. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're listening to the 415ers here on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings with you. Uh, you can find Evan on social at egiddings10, myself at Mark Randy. That's Mark with a C, M-A-R-C-G-R-A-N-D-I. Uh, we appreciate uh, all you tuning in here to the 415ers. Please give us a, a like, uh, a listen, a subscription, a, a rate on Apple Podcasts, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. Very much appreciated. Uh, Evan, I want to uh, go back to a note that we ended last episode on just uh, off the cuff. I remember you know, asking the question to you. We were talking about, you know, um, around the Christmas season, the holiday season and, and and how things work in NFL locker rooms. Generally, the quarterbacks gift their team, specifically their offensive linemen, something. Um, and Cam Inman was on 95-7 the game on Thursday and he just came out of the Niners locker room. And he just brought up off the cuff without even uh, anyone asking him 
that Trey Lance, who had been the team's starting quarterback for five quarters, Trey Lance gifted his entire team like Sonos speakers, like, you know, those bars like that you place beneath the TV, that sort of thing. He gifted his entire team one of those each, and he gifted each of his offensive linemen custom suits. They were going to get fitted for it as Cam Inman was was in the the, the uh, locker room. Uh, and then he he said, well, that begs the question, what did Brock Purdy get the offensive lineman? He asked that to center Jake Brendel, and Jake Brendel responded simply, wins. So that answers the question for what does Brock Purdy, who is a a seventh-round rookie quarterback who wasn't even expected to play any meaningful snaps this year and now is somehow leading a a Super Bowl-hopeful team into the postseason, his holiday gift to the offensive lineman isn't a watch, isn't anything like Trey Lance is getting him, isn't a custom suit, it's wins. That's what Brock Purdy is delivering on this Christmas. Yes, well, we certainly hope so on Christmas Eve. That is what we hope Brock Purdy can deliver. As far as what Trey Lance can deliver, it does suck, but this is the one way that he can contribute, unfortunately, because of his injury. And one way he can also contribute is due to that $22 million signing bonus or the $34 million that he was guaranteed when he signed with the 49ers in 2021. Like, he has an obligation, as do all starting quarterbacks, to gift their linemen. This is something that we've seen across the league. I believe Zach Wilson, also in Trey Lance's draft class, uh, gifted his offensive linemen some electric bikes or electric scooters. You know, he's trying trying to essentially buy his loyalty. Um, (laughs) I don't think it's working. (laughs) Which is not going so well. I do believe Trey Lance's, however, is because he legitimately likes his offensive linemen. His O-linemen legitimately like him. And it's a situation where... Yes, uh, Brock Purdy is making Mr. Irrelevant money. And Trey Lance, at the beginning of this year, we thought he was going to be Mr. Irrelevant, and he's making that kind of money. So I, I think it's an, an interesting quip that or note that Cam Inman brought up, you know, out of the blue. Uh, but I think it does go to show that Trey Lance is still very much trying to be a part of this team in any way he can find possible. Yeah, I think we joke a lot about the quarterback situation and and Trey Lance and maybe like some of the awkwardness in that quarterback room just because of everything that's happened and how Trey Lance is obviously incredibly happy for the success of his team, but maybe looks at Brock Purdy a little awkwardly because just the way everything has happened this year. All that aside, and you know, again, those are I think mostly jokes and poking fun and, and having a good time playful ribbing but um obviously everything that trey lance has said everything that he's done everything that his teammates have said about him everything that we've heard about him he is just a a fantastic a fantastic guy and you know he could have he could have come out and and not been nearly as excited for jimmy garoppolo and brock purdy not that he's really spoken publicly but every time you see him on the sideline and and you see him you know dapping up purdy and, and helping him and congratulating him and I don't know. It's clear that that uh, Trey Lance is I don't know. He he has his he has a good head on his shoulders. We already knew that, but he could have handled this whole season much differently than he has. He, he's done a great job, I think, continuing to to support all of his teammates. And I, I know maybe that that sounds easy, but in that situation, I don't think it really is. Uh, so I guess long story short, kudos to Trey Lance for how he's handled an incredibly frustrating season. We'll see what the future holds, but at least right now, uh, Trey Lance has, has still been a big part of this team and, 
and it's a big reason why that the culture in that locker room is is still so positive. Yeah, and and look, I think he learned a lot from a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who arguably has undergone uh, a more tumultuous, you know, recent past in San Francisco than Trey Lance. Like he was literally told he didn't have a job here then was willing to swallow the pill, came back to be the backup for Trey Lance. And of course, we know how that goes. But, you know, when you're sort of, you know, I don't want to say professional athletes look at each other like role models or, or the kind of mentor mentee situation, but I'm sure you certainly pick up on a guy and how they act and how they treat themselves and how they conduct themselves as professionals. And I don't know, you could say whatever you want about Jimmy Garoppolo's play on the field, but I don't know if there's a better professional when it comes to uh, at least what we've seen in the last two years, when it comes to dealing with the rigors of off-season football and losing your job and getting your job back. I have a question for you though, Mark, who would be a bigger, I oh, apologize. There's a dog in the back. I, I was, I was, I was just going to interrupt you and say, I don't want to be a distraction, but I need to know if you're watching on YouTube out of the frame now, but 10 or 15 seconds ago, you, you could see a, a pup on the back of a couch. Yes. What is the name of that pup, Evan? That two-year-old Springer Cocker uh, Spaniel mix. His name is Tuna. Tuna. Oh, yes. I love Tuna. Hi, Tuna. Yeah. For anyone fans of the show, The Office, he is named after Jim, the big Tuna legendary uh yeah but no i was i was gonna ask you though mark <laughs> sorry um what 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 do you think is a bigger i know it, it can't the christmas gift came a little bit early uh christian mccaffrey to me would would be the hard number one christmas gift that the 49ers have mm-hmm. gotten this season although they did pay handsomely for it between jimmy garoppolo and brock purdy though who do you think would be the bigger christmas gift that the 49ers have received this season Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, oh, I don't know how to answer that one. I think it's tough. Is I think you also need to consider how desperate and what the other options would have been. Like when you're when you're trying to decide value, like a, a player's value to a team. Yeah. What's the replacement option? So I think. I feel bad saying this, but I think I have to go Brock Purdy because the other option is Josh Johnson. Not that Josh Johnson's terrible, but I mean, there's a reason why he was out of the league before this. And there's a reason why he hasn't ever been able to stick on a single team. Uh, Meanwhile, and we didn't know it at the time, but behind Jimmy Garoppolo, when Trey Lance got injured, was Brock Purdy. Uh, Maybe Brock Purdy sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo as the number two for almost a full season uh, really I don't know, pushed his growth forward and maybe he wouldn't have been this good in week two or week three if he took over when Trey Lance went down. But considering what we know now about Brock Purdy and who the fact that he was behind Jimmy Garoppolo when Trey Lance went down, I think the bigger Christmas gift for the 49ers, considering everything behind him, has got to be Brock Purdy. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I do think it's close just because, look, when Trey Lance went down, I think we all felt more comfort than when Jimmy Garoppolo went down and Brock Purdy had to come in at the time. We didn't know that you'd found such a, you know, a well-rounded easy plug and play scheme fit quarterback in Brock Purdy. 
but I'll take it a step further. Like, it's not just a Christmas present in Brock Purdy. It's a Christmas miracle, Mark. Oh, Brock Purdy has been a Christmas miracle for the San Francisco 49ers because of all the things that we have discussed throughout this podcast of being the last pick in the draft, being a rookie quarterback, being thrown into the fire and responding with, I mean, just guts, like in, in every sense of the word. And Brock Purdy is the reason now why people believe that the 49ers can win the NFC, Jalen Hurts shoulder aside, even if he's healthy. Brock Purdy is the last piece of the puzzle right now for the 49ers. And to be on your third string guy, generally a team that is competing for a Super Bowl, might be able to find a way to get in the playoffs. But generally when quarterbacks go down, seasons collapse. I mean, we saw it over and over again and have in the Kyle Shanahan era. And so for me to have a guy at the end of the season that can not only carry the torch to the postseason, but potentially uplift you in certain ways and help you get better offensively in certain areas than we saw with, with your previous quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo, even more than your starting quarterback, Trey Lance, I can't say anything less than Brock Purdy has been a Christmas miracle for the 49ers this season. I agree. Brock Purdy, Christmas miracle. We hope that it continues into the new year uh, because they're going to need it when they get around the postseason. They're going to need their quarterback to continue being quality if they want a chance uh, to to go far. Did you grab your Did you grab your number thirteen jersey, Mark? I have not yet. Uh, I've heard they can find one. I was going to say they're very very difficult to find one because the team just had no inventory of it. You know, until he started playing. And it's, it's like the hottest jersey in, in the league right now, which is incredible and, and saying something. Uh, if you are unable to get a Brock Purdy jersey, I suggest maybe looking heading to 95. Right now. Oh, you're looking up. Uh, I suggest if you're unable to find one, uh, maybe instead head to uh, 957thegameshop.com. We've got a uh, Brock Purdy relevant T-shirt. It's a pretty cool design with his number 13 embedded into the, the relevant word. Not Mr. Irrelevant, because he's now relevant. So I suggest heading to 957thegameshop.com. You're listening to the 415ers podcast, part of the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings with you here. We'll transition uh, to preview this matchup against the Washington Commanders coming up in just a second, Evan. And we appreciate everyone tuning in and, and listening. Give us a, a like, a rate, a subscribe as well, wherever you get your podcast, including on the Odyssey app. Uh, but as I was listening, Evan, to Kyle Shanahan speak to the media on Thursday, kind of stumbled across a really impressive stat that I wasn't aware of. So uh, Shanahan was asked about the fact that teams really struggle after playing the 49ers. So regardless of the result, regardless of how they fare against San Francisco, and recently it's been poorly, they've won seven in a row, regardless of how they fare against San Francisco, they struggle the following week. In fact, opponents are 0-12 in the week directly after playing San Francisco. Uh, Kansas City did win their game after San Francisco, but they had a buy-in between, so that one doesn't even count. This year, opponents are 0-12 after hmm. playing the San Francisco 49ers in that direct week. I'm going to play Kyle Shanahan's comments on this because I thought – you know, maybe it's something he wasn't quite aware of. That seems to be kind of a, a statistician or a, or or a nerd stat that they dig deep through the schedule and figure out how it works. But Kyle Shanahan very aware of that and seemed to be pretty proud of it as well. I mean, it is a record we're aware of, and it's one we think is pretty cool. I think they're zero and twelve. 
I don't think anyone's won. They had a bye week the week after they played us. Yeah, talking about the next week that no one's won. They won two weeks after, but that wasn't the week after. So it's a pretty cool stat. I mean, it could be a coincidence, but we like to think not. So we'll take it that way. So Shanahan not only was aware of it, but he corrected the reporter in real time for having the stat wrong. So it's clearly something that they keep an eye on. They they know not only are they tough to play against, Evan, but they ruin a team's momentum. You play the 49ers, you get beat up, you get broken down, and you are going to struggle the following week, Week, which I, I think is why you know, you know everyone says a team's looking at the 49ers as a potential postseason opponent, and they are scared, not only because they might lose to the 49ers, but if they somehow find a way to win, it's going to be hard for them to bounce back in just a week and play another really physical football team. I do think a lot of it has to do with physicality, but I think an equal amount, if not more, is about how the 49ers expose teams. And we saw this exhibit A was the Miami Dolphins a couple of weeks ago, yeah. where D'Amico Ryans made Tua Tungavailoa's day a nightmare. And we thought, oh, well, that's you know just kind of a bad day to a you know he's a good quarterback, he'll bounce back. Well, the next week against the Chargers, who pretty much employed the same defensive scheme, which is press coverage, take away the middle, do whatever you can to make Tua have to go to a second and third option, and you're going to have a good chance to beat him. And lo and behold, Tungavailoa struggled in that football game. So I, I also think offensively the Niners do a good job at figuring out how to attack teams. Now, they're well-equipped to do it because they have so many different weapons. But when you get an idea of, you know, how the Niners open up things offensively, how they spread teams out sideline to sideline, how they're able to, you know, basically be creative in their offensive play calling. You have a twofold way to attack an opponent. In addition to, of course, them being probably beaten and battered from playing the Niners the week before. So it's not just about how they'll play rough and tumble and wear teams down to the point where I'm sure they're sore, they're sore you know, five days after playing the 49ers. But it's also a sense of, look, I would, I would bet that among coordinators in this league, the golden tape right now hmm. is what the 49ers do week in and week out. Because if you can figure out how to, you know, obviously you don't have the personnel, but if you can figure out how to capture a little bit of that San Francisco magic when it comes to how the defense plays teams, how the offense attacks teams, you're probably going to have a pretty good chance of beating that opponent because it just worked. And so it's not just that the 49ers, you know, beat down teams and bruise them, but they also expose them in a way that I think is hard for a lot of teams to sort of bounce back from in just one week. I wish I picked up on this trend earlier because I, I think I, I could have made a, quite a bit of money off of it, Evan. <laughs> I, I might try to tail it now and then you know that that'll be the end of the streak of course that's how it always works but I, yeah. I did think it was funny though uh, yeah Shanahan had that that extra week for the Chiefs in his back pocket like immediately uh -huh. like of he course. and and I don't know maybe this is something that they've tracked throughout the entire season or they just kind of noticed it after I don't know let's say the second time they played the Rams or something but you could clearly tell like one he's very proud uh and two yeah, there there are no there's no middle ground here. No, we're we're not we're not letting you sneak the Chiefs by us. It, I God, I go back and forth on this guy. I can't tell if he's being condescending <laughs> or if he's just whatever one purports him to be, which is you know a mastermind or whatever you want to call him.
I will say there's a very good chance it, it moves to 0-13 opponents after playing the 49ers in the following week because Seattle, they have the Chiefs on Saturday. Uh, not going to be easy for the Seahawks. And this is also kind of a weird one because they do have that mini buy where they played on Thursday and now play on a Saturday. But still, looks like the odds are that that number falls to 0-13. Uh, but Evan, let's transition to to preview this game against the Washington Commanders. They're seven six and one coming into Levi's. Niners are ten and four. Uh, Christmas Eve game one oh five from Levi's Stadium. We'll uh, do game picks at the end of the episode. Niners right now favored by six and a half points. The over under thirty seven and a half. Pretty low between these two really good defenses. I think that's the story of this game, Evan. It's the fact that Washington's defense is really good. Not as good as the 49ers, but they're up there with some of the best in the NFL. The combination of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne in the, the middle of their defensive line. They're also getting Chase Young back this week. It seems like he should be full to go. He's off the injury report. Ron Rivera says he should be good to play. We'll obviously be watching his snaps. He's coming off of an ACL tear towards the end of last season. So maybe not a full workload for Chase Young. Uh, but he's certainly going to play, it seems like, and he's good enough to to be a factor, even if he's playing 50% of his normal snaps. That front seven, the, the defensive line specifically, Evan, is as good as any in the NFL. They're not nearly as good in the linebacking core and defensive backfield with their corners and safeties as some of the other elite defenses, but that front four, they're four down linemen as good as any. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's that's the only place I think you could argue that rivals San Francisco. Uh, maybe without Debo Samuel, you know, a, a Terry McLaurin led wide receiving core is, is pretty good um, compared to the 49ers right now who are led by Brandon Ayuk. So maybe there, but, but it's interesting, Mark, because on one side, the Washington commanders who have a, a damn good defense are getting better and arguably getting their best defensive player back. So that's going to hopefully elevate them. Maybe not this week, because they'll probably be on a limited snap count, but in the future, a team that the Niners might have to play in the postseason. But the Niners are also getting a defensive lineman back as well in Javon Kinlaw, who maybe isn't at the level that Chase Young is. But of course, people had hoped he would be when he was taken in the first round a few years ago as Eric Armstead's, you know, replacement, so to speak. Buckner's. Buckner, sorry, DeForest Buckner. So it's it's a situation where both defenses have a chance to play at a different level because of guys that they're getting back, injured players that are returning so I'm excited to see, you know, how the 49ers face this this front that has controlled the line of scrimmage against virtually every single team that they've played. Uh, they don't allow big rushing games, or at least haven't so far this year. But can Brock Purdy be good enough, you know, to to dance in the pocket to escape pressure? Because more than likely, there's going to be pressure in his face, and there's going to be pressure from just four guys, which I don't know if that's something that he's necessarily had to deal with yet, being able to to on the fly adjust to pressure coming in his face from, you know, not teams that don't have to use a blitz, essentially. Yeah, no, I agree that that's the really important battle in this game. Uh, To your point about Kinlaw returning, he played the first three games this season as a starter, uh, but Armstead only played the first two. So this is the first time since week two that the 49ers could have all four of their ideal starting defensive lineman ready and, and able to go again th- those four Samson Ebukam, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa those four guys started week one 
and it started week two. And since then, it, it you've had three at times. You've had two at times. You have never had all four until potentially this week. Javon Kinlaw off the injury report. He's been activated off of IR. Kyle Shanahan said on Thursday, yeah, they expect him to go. Similar story to Chase Young. I wouldn't expect him to play his normal snaps if he had been playing for, for a month or two. But it is at least another body. And the Niners have had some injuries on the defensive front. Recently, it hasn't been to starters. That's the good news. But they are not as deep at that position, at least at this point in the season, as they have been in years past. So, Or, pardon me, in, in weeks past. So that's going to be really important. Javon Kinlaw, along with the other starters on the defensive line. Uh, but, but back to uh, the commanders really quickly. You look at defensive tackle leaders. Those are the interior parts of your defensive line. The Washington Commanders have the top two defensive tackles, on again, on the interior of the offensive line in terms of tackles for loss in the entire NFL. Jonathan Allen, 16. Deron Payne, 15. Number one and number two in the entire NFL, tackles for loss by defensive tackles. You, you generally have the high sack numbers and the high tackles for loss numbers from your edge rushers, from someone like Nick Bosa from a linebacker who plays on the outside near the line of scrimmage, like a Micah Parsons, who are the top two, uh, you know, uh, potential players to win the defensive player of the year. Uh, but Washington kind of does it differently. Their pressure and their talent is from the middle part of that line. So it's a gigantic game for Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, and Spencer Burford. The interior three of the 49ers offensive line, again, you have Williams and McGlinchey, on the tackles, but Banks, Brendel, Burford, the killer bees as they're called. This is probably their biggest challenge of the year. You're going to get beat at times because Allen and Payne are as good as any tackle, a defensive tackle in the NFL. You have to worry about Chase Young on the outside, but those three guys on the interior of the Niners offensive line, Banks, Brendel, Burford, they will have their hands full. They will get beat a few times. Niner fans, get be prepared for that. It's not going to be a perfect day for the 49ers offensive line. That's how good Washington is. But if Banks, Brendel, Burford can have a pretty good game, I think the Niners should should be able to control this game pretty easily. If those three hold up, they will be fine. If they get beat time and time again, that's what could keep this game close. Yeah, and to your point, I think that affects maybe the most important part of the Niners' game plan when it comes to possessing the football and controlling the clock, and that is how Brock Purdy is going to be on third down. Um, this is a Washington team that is fourth best on third down, getting teams off the field. And that's generally we see something that the 49ers do. I mean, one of the reasons why it's hard to put up points against them, it's hard to sustain drives. And so although Brock Purdy has been explosive, maybe not you know throwing the ball deep down the field, but being able to pick up chunk plays either, you know, last week we saw with Kittle, the yak has been obviously a big part of this offense and has continued so with Brock Purdy. But when you got Washington with two pretty quality corners on the outside, Kendall Fuller, and then Ben, a, a name that I love, uh, I believe it's Benjamin St. Just, uh, <laughs> who's a, a tall cornerback from Quebec. So you got a couple of, of quality um, physical DBs on the outside. How much separation can Brandon Ayuk get? Can Alonga Juwan get? Can, you know, the 49ers receivers not named George Kittle or Christian McCaffrey, how open can they get on third down against a team that you already know is going to give Brock Purdy this internal clock of, I got to get the ball out in three seconds or less. And on third down, are they in, 
you know, third and longs, how do they fare? How, how are, how is the running game setting up those third downs? Are they going to be behind the sticks or is it going to be a lot of, you know, third and shorts? How is this team going to be able to get to the sticks, get to that first down when they need to against a Washington team that is better than almost everyone except for the 49ers at getting teams off the field on third downs. Yeah. And as a result of, of that on third downs defensively, they lead the NFL in time of possession. They're number one over 32, nearly 33 minutes per game time of possession. The Niners not far behind second best over 32 minutes at 32 minutes and 10 seconds. So about half a minute less per game, the 49ers possess the ball than the commanders. But I would not be shocked, Evan, if this is a game where you look at the box score at the end before even looking at the score, you look at the time of possession, whichever team possesses the ball more probably has a good chance to win this game. You have the two best teams in the NFL at doing that. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on extended drives. Can you force a couple of three and outs? Can you put the defense on their heels? Can you tire them out? We talked about opponents struggling against the Niners following weeks. You can also get a bit of that in second halves of these games. If you possess the ball a lot, if you force the defense to be on the field often, uh, then you might be able to reap those benefits uh, towards the end of the game. And maybe that's enough to to come out with a win. Uh, before we get to game picks, Evan, uh, and again, the 49ers favored by six and a half points, the mm. over under set at 37 and a half. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the line down there. Uh, I got to ask you, do you think this is a, a postseason preview? Do you think we see Niners commanders again uh, in a few weeks in, in postseason football? I. Oh, this is tough right now. I, right now. No, right now. Right, the, right the, now would be the Giants, right? It would be the Giants and the commanders would be playing the Vikings. I, I don't think the 49ers are going to get the two seed. So I don't think that they face Washington mm. in the first round. And I also don't think they would want to face Washington in the first round. I know we talked about this in the last episode, but to me, out of the playoff teams that have a potential to upset, that have a potential to go on the road and win, uh, of those final three or four teams in the hunt, to me, Washington is the most dangerous of them. So, All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, right now it would not be, but I think there's there's still a pretty good chance. I, again, would not be surprised if the Lions get in. Lions, the best offense of the bunch, but by far the worst defense of the bunch. We'll see how it all plays out over the coming months and, of course, or coming weeks, and we'll have it all for you here on. Dual threat uh, quarterback this week, Mark. Yeah, we'll Gotta see. Watch I mean, out for Taylor Heineke. He's, he's not bad. He's he's a scrappy little guy, that's for sure. We'll see. He's we'll a nice see little player. He is. He is. Nice little find for the Washington Commanders. All right, let's get to game picks here. Again, 49ers, Commanders, Saturday. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, some holiday football for the 49ers at Levi's Stadium. 105 is the kick. Niners favored by six and a half. The over under 37 and a half. Evan, I see this game being a slog, a defensive slug fest. I'm taking the under by a mile. Niners cover, though, by half a point. 17 to 10. Niners win. 17 10. They improve to 11 and 4. And you never know. Maybe they'll be the two seed at the end of the week. We'll see. Maybe they will. Mark, would it shock you that I also, the first number that popped into my head was 1710? <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's the way this game goes. I don't think there's going to be many points. These defenses are elite. The Niners probably not going to give the ball to McCaffrey 32 times this week. They want to win, but they don't need to win that badly. Uh, I think this is a defensive slugfest. Niners will trust their defense in this game. 
Yeah, I think they have to. And I, I'm the, I'm going to be curious as to how Kyle Shanahan, both and D'Amico Ryans, approaches this game when it comes to uh, load managing some of their stars. So the most interesting number coming out of this game, win or loss, to me, will be snap count. Mm. And look, you're... I mean, they have an advantage over Washington who have played Sunday night. So there's one last day for Washington. The, the 49ers obviously kind of get that mini buy of, of a 10 day break. But with also kind of another break coming up because you're looking at playing on uh, New Year's Day next week against the Raiders. You know, you're you're looking at a similar schedule, but obviously you're having less time than the week before. You are trying to get everyone as healthy as possible. You're trying to keep guys that are returning like Javon Kinlaw as healthy as possible. So that's another reason why I do think the score would be suppressed and why, to your point, they would trust the defense. So I think we're both on the same page, 17-10. Yeah, we'll see. 17-10 Niners is the pick. Uh, we'll probably be way wrong, but but we'll see. <laughs> Check Hopefully in next not. episode of the 415ers, and, and we'll own up to our mistakes, or we will take a gigantic victory lap if we happen to be right, 17-10 Niners. Regardless, it should be a really fun game, a really fun weekend. Appreciate all of you guys for tuning into the 415ers uh, three times a week here on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Have a fantastic uh, holiday season. Hope you're spending it with family. Hope you're having a great time watching some 49 football. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in once again. Evan, have a uh, great rest of your trip down in San Diego with family, and I'll see you again next week. Back at you, man. I got a Brock Purdy jersey. In Isn't the it? cart. Oh, yeah? You found one? It might be for you. Who knows? Whoa. Merry Christmas. Oh, we'll see. All right. Merry Christmas, Evan. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, guys. You've been listening to the 415ers here on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network.